0: ht smartcast you are listening to a mint production brought to you by ht smartcast
1: my question was more about whether or not this uh Looks like it's going to happen, frankly, because Dr. Jha. If you look at what's happened in terms of government jobs, I mean, uh, from 2005 to 2012, there's actually been a very, very small increase, just about 0.4 million per annum. When the state governments make these kinds of, uh, you know, uh, promises, does it look like they can live up to them? Simply put, yeah, I also think you know, uh,
2: for some reason, uh, 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 like. Um in last, say, at least definitely one decade, fiscal prudence has become, uh, and, you know, the newer, if, if you ask public finance economists two decades ago, this whole space of fiscal space, the even the terminology has changed. So this this terminology of fiscal space is is a new terminology that has come in. And we have forgotten about, you know, deficit financing. If, if you look at how uh, recession was addressed earlier, the deficit financing was a huge uh, a tool that that the state had, uh, uh, and we have completely forgotten about it. And I think it's time to go back to that. And uh, yes, I am not sure, but I think I also think different state governments are responding differently. So it would not be correct to think that all state governments actually uh, uh, respond in the same manner. So I do feel that state governments are acting very differently. They're also in a different position. So one inequality that that is going to, and that I think has already uh, 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 again worsened in addition to say gender, caste, and and rural, urban, locational is also interstate. I think that that is again going to become much worse and states where economies were already suffering are going to suffer more. And states which were uh, uh, in a better position are going to actually recover faster. So that, that's something we are going to see. So I am not sure like which state government we talk about, but uh, I think union government has a role. Union government spending is much less, as, as, as pointed out, true. But union government works as a, as a very critical element of what is it that is important. So, in terms of signaling, and signaling is very, very important in governments and also for corporates. So, what are you signaling is very important. And I would also like to, you know, add uh, to one, uh, um, you know, very common quote about leaky pipes. If you allow me to go ahead, you know, what we found in in our research across four, or five states, and even other researchers that that are coming in education, that even at its worst, public schooling system was doing something which was very significant for children going there for both boys and girls now what we found that they are you know they it's 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 a serious issue we did a survey and we found that 80% of our children more than 3000 children we surveyed across five states said that life was better before covid and the reasons are that we could meet our peer we could learn a little and girls that we could also go out now these are also important things you know we Keep talking. We keep, you know, all the time. We keep referring to this uh, demographic dividend. There are individuals there. There are human beings there. You know, demographic dividend. They are de- it's their lives. It's their future that we are talking about. They, they are the ones who would, uh, you know, earn and 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 take the country yeah. uh, ahead. And they are the ones who are really suffering. So let's let's not forget. Even by every standard, I would say yes. There are issues with public education. But if you actually start spending there, if you start, uh, even if you're signalling that public education is important, things turn around. Look what happened in Delhi. Delhi government didn't do everything right. They have done something, certain things very, you know, very very questionable in education. Yet they have brought public education on the map of middle class, and that is what you need. So it's not, you know, leaky pipes are there even in private sector. So let's not, you know. Uh, Brush everything uh, using the same uh, uh, m- 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 say uh, m- color. there are you know th- th- these are diverse in different states, so let's not assume that it's it's leaky pipes everywhere, even mm-hmm. going with you know simple indicators
1: not just our workforce, our future workforce as well. Uh, no, I take your point and it's an important one. Uh, Ashutosh, you know, another thing from you know going from the point that Dr. Cha was making, which is that for many of the youth, aspirational jobs were actually in the services sector. Hospitality, tourism, hotel, um, food and beverages. And that's really where the rug was sort of pulled off the feet of many uh, restaurant owners. The entire tourism sector, frankly, is really in the doldrums going into 2021. What did you observe on that front because while I take your point about you know digi learning and skilling, um, those were actual uh, tangible jobs in extremely strong verticals which now look quite shaky. Have you at LinkedIn had opportunity to collate that kind of data to see what's happening across those trends for tourism, hospitality industries?
3: So uh, I think these industries definitely in short term will uh, have a lot of pain and their recovery will be much more longer. Uh, I think one thing we saw in our data which is encouraging is that a lot of professionals are ready to pivot and learn new skills so that they can reduce a short-term pain and pivot into new industries. Now, it's difficult, I understand this is, uh, it takes a lot of will and a lot of learning new skills, but professionals are ready for it and maybe if I do a loose correlation that's where we are seeing increased number of hours on online learning because people are trying to learn new skills. So. I think 62% of the professionals came and said that they're gonna pivot. They're open to pivoting their career to new industries, uh, new geographies, uh, doing something really, really different and they're open to it, right? Uh, So I think uh, that's what we are seeing uh, in, uh, in the workforce. And I think to your exact question, I think these particular verticals or industries will have more pain going forward. Uh, I mean, there are so many dimensions which will come into play. The vaccination, and uh, when the vaccination is done, cross when people feel safe and comfortable to travel, and tourism is back. So I think repivoting or pivoting their uh, you know careers to new skills and reskilling is going to be very very important. Like picking up your shows uh, uh, tagline, uh, reskilling is the road to recovery. You have mm-hmm. to learn new skills. You have to pivot to new skills. Uh, You have to find new uh, jobs uh, and uh, use your skills to get there.
1: Mr. Sabarwal, gender is often made, uh, you know, a sideshow in these, in these sort of conversations, but it's 50% of our workforce. Clearly, the brunt of this unemployment situation or the loss of jobs has been borne by the women. Equally, though, they are the ones who really come forth and worked in core sectors. I mean, I was just talking about, you know, travel and tourism, which is uh, in majority represented by women, but also the frontline women health workers, you know, one million accredited social health activists, the Anganwadi workers, the auxiliary nurses, uh, would you expect to see something specific to bringing or attempting to bring women back into the workforce, considering the cavernous fall they've seen this year?
4: Well, they're not 50% of the workforce. I wish they were. They're only 20% of the workforce. I think that that is um, a a really important point. I, I don't have an understanding. I think that A ministry of women employment would be the same thing as a ministry of dalit employment or a women or a or a ministry of rural employment um you know i i may be everybody is a child of their experience my experience uh, we've hired about you know, 18 lakh people in the last 15 years. And we've hired somebody every five minutes for 15 years, but we've only hired 5% of the kids who came to us for a job. So I would submit my lens is more horizontal. Maybe Rosa and um, they can, you know, give specific stuff for gender. I think that governments don't create jobs. Government creates fertile habitats for spontaneous combustion. I think that India is a hostile place for small entrepreneurs. We have, you know, a lot of us, I I think, you know, the moral argument, you know, welfare states, Norway, Sweden, Finland are the highest as a percentage of GDP spending for the government, but they also three, four, five in ease of doing business. You know, uh, Indian regulatory cholesterol is 67,000 compliances for employers, 6,700 filings, and it changed 6,000 times last year. As a large company, I have 150 guys in regulatory affairs who take care of that regulatory cholesterol. Small employers can't do that. So so I think we should move to um, what we can do, right? I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, if we're going say that there's always two people in the world public debt this year will be 90% of gdp you know since 1991 it's been 70% fiscal deficit will be 14% of gdp so it's not like a fiscal stimulus has not been given 14% gdp at least from a i think from a central bank perspective is really at the limits of what we can possibly handle as a country so i would be careful with saying that let's just you know go for broke here so I think that, in my mind, non-fiscal things, lots of things can be done. We can reduce the regulatory cholesterol. I think we could make employee provident fund voluntary. I think we could force ESI. You know, India's largest health insurance program has been missing in COVID. Um, it has sitting on reserves of 70,000 crores, so we can fix yeah. the governance of here we can move to labor code so i would just submit that this budget is largely going to be directional if you think it's not going to be fiscally directional because Almost 75% of the budget is already spoken for today. So yes, if you want to speak about expenditure reform, we can do that. That's a political hot potato. But the budget exercise is about 25%. So there's a lot of non-fiscal stuff, whether ease of doing business, whether thinking about improving current social security programs, whether moving from four labor codes to one labor code, I know we've just moved to one, or cutting compliance. I think that, you know, philosophers can describe the world in thousands of ways. The point, however, is to change it. And in a year, we do have an opening balance. We we, we should have been outraged for the last 20 years about our fiscal situation or where our fiscal money was being spent. I think there has been. And I think it's changing. But In this year, we're not going to find another 5 lakh crores. Um, And even if we do, that's already cost. You know, there's a scissors effect in the budget if you look at it. Our revenues are down and our costs are up because of COVID. So we just, if we want to have a discussion on what the budget can do, it won't be independent of the opening balance of the budget.
1: Sure. We will get to the solution side, but first we need to have a clear enough handle of how big the problem is. Rosa, you know, let me ask you to add to the point I was making about gender on uh, how acute the problem is first and how it can be addressed. Because, uh, you know, self-help groups, for example, have done exemplary work in terms of helping women both in the rural structure and in many urban communities as well.
0: Right. Um, So, yeah, so again, just to come back to the numbers and gender, we see women just existing. I mean, an already depleted women workforce about, according to the PLFS, just about two in 10 women in working age are actually participating in paid work. And out of that, you see about 50% who were there in December not coming back into work, multiple reasons. You have childcare responsibilities, you have... Mobility restrictions. You have even harassment faced when they do go into work because of you know post lockdown there were all these restrictions. So what then this calls upon is again let's look look at the sort of employment. Where are women mostly employed? They are employed in education. They are employed in uh, in the health sectors. And both of these are sectors that have seen huge impacts in terms of employment loss. But again, sectors that the government is typically underspent on. Only 1% of GDP is dedicated for health, 2% towards education. Now, both of these, this is something that has been talked about even before this, that we must increase spending on health and education. But again, this becomes all the more imperative here for many reasons. One, this is creating employment for women this is creating the infrastructure for women to go out to work so if you support on anganwadis if you create childcare facilities if you have uh, extended educational facilities women who are otherwise burdened with these responsibilities now can go out into paid employment you also have you know what is happening now is a large number of women and children being left behind because of uh, their nutritional kind of deficits that COVID has created, the educational deficits, which are all, all, all always acting more at the lower rungs. You have women and children from lower rung households who are more likely to suffer these deficits. So all the more imperative to expand these services and again, expand, create employment, where employment will actually be bringing women back into the workforce. And again, multiplier effects because of this employment generation. So there are ways in which, and this is something, again, go back to what Professor Jha said, um, putting these kind of, um, you know, s- these are signals that the center can give in the budget, which will then feed back into state policies as well.
1: Dr. Cha, the one um, sort of the one point that's been echoed quite a few times, especially going into the union budget, is talk of considering some kind of an urban employment scheme. Uh, A, what kind of cost do you think that would entail? And B, how do you think it could be be structured? For example, the government has said they're considering a 50% increase in terms of infrastructure cost going into budget 2021. Do you think that in itself could be layered to provide more jobs? And do you think that should be a central point of attacking any jobs crisis? thinking about some kind of urban jobs guarantee?
2: I think it does make sense to have urban job guarantee and uh, uh, and uh, you know Narega has proven that that this kind of scheme uh, uh, actually uh, can be a lifeline and uh, I'm repeating this point that it's lifeline not only for those who uh, are getting those wages but also for the economy because they are also spending so uh, and, and they, they are not Uh, saving a single bit of it and therefore the economy is also surviving because of those spending and therefore urban uh, job guarantee scheme makes sense and I do feel that you know when you are talking of reforms whenever we talk of reforms why do we talk of you know reforms in a manner that becomes against social security we can actually talk of reforms if you look at Uh, a lot of research actually around uh, our uh, private investment. It's not because of the labor laws that people have not spent. Ease of doing business is also about, you know, the, the, mm, 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 the governance at other end that, you know, the license that you have to get 12 licenses. Those are more important features than labor reforms. And labor reforms have to be also seen from the angle of social security and greater social security. You know, all the state governments, are sitting on uh, or were sitting on some of that has been spent now during COVID on huge cess amount that they had collected on construction, and the and and the living condition of those working in construction was was pitiable. I mean, you know, it, it's it's shocking the way they were living, and and I I, I talk uh, about this with first hand experience. So so reforms, yes, we do need reforms, but what kind of reforms? Why is it that we think of you know reforms which are only about labor and that actually goes against employment and that therefore also goes against economy you know so it with with a high population country it it's important so what rosa is talking about it's when you create employment for for a uh, se- uh, you know for a section of society which is completely you know largely uh, out of the uh, employment arena and can bring actually can push the growth if if you bring them in so i do think urban employment makes sense labor reforms make sense but not not to make the employment you know security less secure but to make it uh you know more secure uh, uh and that doesn't mean that you have to go back to what existed earlier reforms are important at all levels and uh if again, we go back to European countries, uh, ease of doing business also comes from these governance reforms. So we have, to, so I think urban employment makes sense. Governance reforms make sense. But we have to think differently. We have to think of people who have been living precariously, who can be a big, even if even if I uh, drop the social aspects of it, they can be huge economic assets if we make wise You know, investment choices, public investment choices that also pushes right kind of private investment choices. So urban employment guarantee scheme definitely makes sense for the economy and for the people both.
1: Mr. Sabarwal, uh, where do you see where solutions might lie? I mean, as we stepped out of the previous budget, the allocation to Narega was about 61,500 crores. It was actually lower than what had been allocated the year before that. That's probably been overshot. Uh, are you in support of something like an urban uh, employment scheme, an urban employment guarantee, or do you think other existing funds should be given greater inflows? What does the solution list look like to you?
4: I, mean, I don't think Narega is an employment solution. It's a poverty solution, which is very important. I, I think that um, we can think about poverty differently from if you. I mean, if you want to create jobs, if you think that the government is or the fiscal deficit or will create jobs. That's just not my view of the world. I I think that the government's a modern state is a welfare state. It should help people in poverty. It does have to figure out how to pay for it. I don't think welfare states are built on borrowing money or deficit financing. So my submission would be is that in a budget like this, let's just, I think most of the money will go to healthcare and, you know, the vaccination program and, and if we can we should allocate more to education and healthcare i don't think anybody disputes that but i do think that we also have a responsibility for figuring out the find the money is not a solution it's just my case to you i mean we have if if the money could be found the indian welfare state doesn't lack ambition it just lacks resources so my submission to you is that we everybody's looking for money um, there is a shortage of it so Structural reform continuing with making India a better place, an easier place to do business for small entrepreneurs. I make the point again, as large companies, I can have 150 guys in regulatory affairs who handle the cholesterol and I go on my way doing my life. But for a small guy, these 67,000 compliances, 6,700 licenses, which changed 4,000 times last year. And by the way, 18,000 of them prescribed jail. Right. You know, one of my favorite lines in the Vishnu Sahasranam is, why did God create fear? Because he could take it away. (laughs) Right. Why do you have 24,000 ways entrepreneurs can go to jail? So I would submit that this budget could is not going to be able to do much fiscally, but it could do a lot non-fiscally by fixing social security, by fixing ESI, by thinking about Online education, only seven out of India's 1,000 universities are licensed for online education. 200 foreign universities operate in India. That makes no sense. I think deregulating skilled universities. I can think of a number of non-fiscal interventions which would give entrepreneurs freedom to pursue their ambitions. Today, the regulatory cholesterol either keeps most Indian companies small. You know, we have a dwarf problem. Any entrepreneur can create a baby and a dwarf. Both are small, but the baby is going to grow. We need more babies rather than dwarfs. So, my view of the world is that this budget will. Obviously, allocate money to healthcare and education. And I hope someday we allocate much more, but find the money is not a solution and there's not much money. So let's hope the budget clears the regulatory cholesterol. It wasn't God's will that it should take 71 years for India to cross the GDP of UK, which we did this year. And we've mm-hmm. tried all the fiscal and deficit financing. The biggest <clears throat> tax war is inflation right now we have a macroeconomic gift because of low oil prices but let's just try and make sure we keep inflation between 4 and 6 also but
1: you're which- saying but you're saying in terms of specific solutions you wouldn't expect to hear something concrete on jobs you would expect to hear something on health and vaccination perhaps a little bit on education and uh, given the ancillary support the government can extend the job situation should resolve itself
4: No, the structural reform is the biggest give you give to job creation. I just don't view spending money as a way to create jobs. I view spending money as a way to help poverty. Those are two different vectors. I have no problem with, um, I think that an Indian welfare state should have more resources so it can do more, but it doesn't.
1: Ashutosh, you uh, as well uh, have pointed out that you think skilling is a very important way to go. What would you want to hear in terms of a thrust towards skilling in this budget?
3: yeah a scale solution uh, which can help uh, uh scale millions and by the way all i all our data is white collared professionals so i think uh, you know i want everybody to factor that into my answer but uh, i think any 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 scaled initiative which can help people uh, quickly skill reskill and pivot their careers is going to be the most important thing so uh, you know uh, for example uh, how we can uh help people uh, learn some of the digital skills which we see in our data that next few years is going to be a lot of digital demand so how can we help the professionals uh, quickly ramp up on their digital skills and from a digital perspective again i think they're helping build infrastructure right so uh, education uh, you know even the smes uh, helping them quickly ramp up on digital infrastructure is going to be very very important uh, for the future right so those are the couple of things which come to mind, like building a scale, skilling infrastructure and then helping uh, build a digital infrastructure, both on the education side and even on the SME side. That's um, going to be helpful. RUZA,
1: the same question to you, solutions. And if you could break that up really into what you would like to see, both in the rural and urban context, but I, because I think we haven't talked enough about the rural situation and how that can be addressed from a solutions point
0: of view. Um, Okay, just so I think both in the rural and urban context, um, this is something that we spoke about uh, um, earlier as well, which is basically ensuring universal, you know, government provision of universal basic services, which is education and health. Um, And I, I, I think this is employment generating, it also has multiplier effect, it also has sort of cascading, you know, beneficial effects for the population at large. Um, So that would go for both urban and rural. In rural, we clearly would like to see an amp up for the funding for uh, Narega. It it is a social security benefit uh, uh, system. It is a fallback option for many, which is all the more imperative now, given what we see in terms of just income loss and hunger and consumption declines. In the urban, we would also expect, uh, I mean, it would be good in some way to at least have a pilot of an urban employment guarantee, if not going all the way. To see how this works out, It also, again, has multiplier effects, creating the infrastructure for, again, private firm expansion and also simulating uh, aggregate demand. Um, What we also saw that, you know, that it was in the, Again, CMI numbers, but I think this would be corroborated by other numbers as well. Is that you have public sector employment being really the sticky? There's very few people lost employment in public sector employment. So you have, uh, you know, this is number. This is this is a fact that has been around that there's been huge vacancies in government sector jobs. There's about two million uh, jobs just in anganwadi workers, which need, which, just in the health sector, which needs to be filled up. So again, p- uh, filling up these work vacancies, hiring more. Uh, people in the public sector is also something that could regenerate jobs in rural and urban areas.
1: Dr. Cha, final word with you on uh, this uh, very, very lively debate around jobs. Should one obsess about what kind of numbers and figures are put forth or whether a scheme is or isn't, or should one look at direction and intent of the government on other tracks such as health and education and, you know, all that sinks in at some point to what we're doing to create a better job environment or ecosystem? Oops, I think we've lost the connection with Dr. Jha. Let's see if we can get her back because we've still got just a couple of minutes to go. But uh, Rosa, let me pose that same question to you. You know, I mean, what if we don't hear anything in terms of a specific scheme, but we hear more about intent in other directions? Uh, I think we've got Dr. Jha back. Let me do a quick check. Dr. Jha, is my voice reaching you? Yeah, I don't know if you've got my question. Yes. Uh, So um, I was asking you whether... um, people who are watching the economy should obsess about figures this time round and whether or not the budget lays out something specifically for jobs or whether the focus should be that you know some of the other core pillars like health and education are addressed and all that then sinks into a better ecosystem for jobs generally
2: that's what i think so i am i'm in complete agreement with rosa that if you actually take these together uh, health education, social security and look at both short term and long run. So it's not that you know it, it's 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 not money going down the drain. actually in the short run itself you will see the eco- the impact on the economy. So I think it's important to see the interconnections and then uh, uh look at it even even in terms of when you are estimating and predicting you should see the interconnections so health education and direct employment it's not about you know when it's social security i would i would actually refrain from saying it's it's poverty i will say creating social security in a manner that it also uh, uh, enables uh, um, demand for uh, uh, private goods and that that would uh, help. So I do think that you know working on these all of these together, including rural and urban employment, keeping that in mind that your money should go where the employment potential is higher rather than only uh, growth potential is very critical. And if that happens, you would see. I mean, certain state governments are thinking in on those lines, and I do feel you will see the results soon.
1: Lots to mull about as the finance minister structures her budget speech. Thank you, all of you. It's been fascinating to see this argument from so many different facets and points of view. Of course, uh, the next time we join you, we will have stepped into a new year. So I hope it's a restful break for everyone. And thank you very much to all my panelists for joining in on this discussion today. From the team here, goodbye. We'll see you again next Monday, of course, in 2021. Thank you.
4: Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.